statements that he makes on the cross where he forces these words out, where he pushes himself up through pain on the cross and forces these words out. We've been hanging on them. It's been a dark road. It's been difficult to concentrate on the cross and and to practice that discipline of waiting at his feet there. But this whole time, it has been pointing us to this moment right here, to this morning where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, that the cross of Jesus opened the way for resurrection life for every single one of us. So we're celebrating that today. And we're going to begin by reading through the story and reading into where we are right now. Go ahead. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Mm. Thank you. That is our story. Jesus, thank you so much for the truth of the resurrection. 
Thank you so much for the way that it has transformed every single one of us. We could not have seen this coming, even though you told us in advance over and over. We still were not prepared for the reality of what was found that morning and what was not found that morning. We thank you so much that there is an empty tomb and that transforms us. It changes us and it changes the future for every single one of us today. We pray that your spirit would speak to us today as we lift you up and as we celebrate you and we pray that you would be lifted up, that you would be seen clearly today. Speak directly to our hearts. Amen. Holy Spirit, pour out on us today like rain. Cover us today. Move in this place today. We're listening. Our hearts are open. To your name we pray. Amen. 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 He's not here. He has risen just as he said. I hope you never are able to see the sign of that bar ever again without thinking (laughs) about the reality of the resurrection. He's not here. (laughs) He is risen. There it is, Michelle. Thank you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're starting back today with this these final words of Jesus, this last breath of Jesus, as it was read for us here today. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, he said. And then Jesus breathed his last. And then Jesus breathed his last we have to start there because that's what paves the way for the celebration that we're having this morning father into your hands i commit my spirit this is a beautiful prayer of sacrifice and surrender sacrifice and surrender first of all it is this prayer of sacrifice because it tells us very clearly that jesus is fully in control and that jesus willingly lays down his own life No one took Jesus's life from him. Jesus willingly laid down his own life as a sacrifice, putting his life in our place, the exchange for us. This is a willing sacrifice. The religious establishment created the plot. The Roman government carried out the execution, but no one took Jesus's life from him. He laid it down. He laid it down and he knew when he did that he would pick it up again on Easter Sunday morning. This is sacrifice. And Jesus clearly shows us that. Second, this is a prayer of surrender. This is a prayer of surrender. This this tender phrase that he says, the last words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's this prayer of trust and intimacy between father and son in this desperate moment on the cross father into your hands i commit my spirit and he breathed his last it says a prayer of surrender and a prayer of trust as we talked earlier about psalm 22 and the fact that jesus directly and intentionally quotes from psalm 22 while he's on the cross well this this phrase from jesus is another direct quote from a psalm from psalm 31 Okay, a direct quote from Psalm 31, where it says, 
into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, Jesus actually personalizes this and adds a different layer of intimacy to it because he adds the word father, father into your hands. I commit my spirit. And just like we studied with Psalm 22, Jesus is intentional in quoting this in this moment of of desperation, in this moment of pain and suffering. The word is pouring out of him. Isn't it beautiful when there's nowhere else to turn? The word is pouring out of him. It's like he said when he was fasting in the desert. Right. And and he said, I'm fasting, yet I'm feasting on the word. Right. I'm feasting on the word is beautiful. And the word is pouring out of him. And if you go back and look at Psalm 31, just like we did with Psalm 22, you'll see how this psalm also lines up as this strong prophecy of exactly what is taking place on the cross. As you read through it, you can see how it mirrors what is happening on the cross. It's so powerful. Go back and read through that and you'll see it. But there's another piece that's happening here. Just like when Jesus quoted Psalm 22, how he was pointing to the end of the psalm. He's doing the same thing again right here. He begins the psalm in our minds. And as as it plays through our minds and we get to the very last line, he shows us what this psalm has been about from the beginning. And he shows us what he is doing on the cross. The last words of Psalm 31 are be strong and take heart. All those who hope in the Lord. Be strong and take heart. All those who hope in the Lord, even in the midst of this tragedy, that's what is pouring out of Jesus. He is pointing us ahead. That is the Easter promise. Be strong and take heart. All those who hope in the Lord. Scholars say that Psalm 31 was often um, used as an evening prayer, that people would pray this at the end of the day, especially those words into your hands. I commit my spirit. It's this prayer of surrender at the end of the day. Some scholars even go so far as to say that mothers would pray this over their children, would even teach their children this prayer as a form of a lullaby at the end of the day, just before they're laid down to rest. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. What a beautiful picture with Jesus's mother nearby. And him repeating this line, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I lay myself down to rest. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. It is a prayer of surrender. And it points ahead to the hope of this moment that says, be strong. Be strong and take heart. All those who hope in the Lord, not in your own strength. The cross teaches us that it's not about our own strength. It's what Jesus Christ accomplished for us that we could have never done for ourselves. Be strong in Christ. Put your hope in Christ and take heart in Christ. It's a powerful, powerful image. Jesus is pointing us to the way of the kingdom as he lays down his life, knowing that it will be raised up again. He tells us this is the way of the kingdom. Lay it down and God will raise it back up. Lay it down and God will raise it back up. That is the way of Jesus. And that is the way of the kingdom that he has come to establish. We risk it all on the resurrection. He challenges us to risk it all on the resurrection, to lay down our lives and trust that God will pick it back up again. What a risk. What a risk. 
this this past week, I got a text from a friend of mine uh, from the great state of Indiana. All right. Sarah and I used to live in Indiana and I used to bug people in Indiana all the time because I would tell them how my home state of North Carolina was the true basketball state, no matter what they said. And uh, we had the chance to prove that this week, which was awesome. Right. Yeah. Come on. Woo. And uh, so this pastor friend of mine texts me uh, in before the game, before Carolina was playing Indiana in the tournament. He texts me. And he's like, hey, man, we need to make a little wager between us, like based on our states, right? Let's, let's make a little wager. And so, of course, I texted him back, I don't gamble, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> With a little hand emoji and devil emoji, right? All right? Not really. I just made that up. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Somebody try that. <laughs> But but so I texted him back and I was like, okay, let's do this. All right, let's 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 do this. Let's risk something here. So I was like, okay, here's the challenge. Whoever whoever loses has to dye their hair gray. <laughs> he didn't answer back. All right, he knew I couldn't lose in that situation. All right. Although somebody did ask me this morning if I was a student at Carolina, and I'm like, yes, thank you. Awesome. Post, post, post grad student at Carolina. Risk, right? Risk. The resurrection is a true risk. Lay it down. Lay it down and trust that God will pick it back up again. This prayer on the lips of Jesus is a prayer of surrender and it's a prayer of trust, knowing that as he lays his life willingly down, through the power of the Father, through the power of the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, his life will be raised up again. That's the way of Jesus. And because Jesus is the pioneer of the resurrection life, you and I are swept up in that. And that is the promise for us as well. Lay it down. Lay it down. And he will raise it back up. What do you need to lay down today? We're not just talking metaphor here. What is it in your life that you need to lay down? We're not just talking in like spiritual terminology, right? I'm talking in your actual life. What is it that you need to lay down? Is it a relationship? Is it an addiction? Is it anxiety? Is it your past? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? Is it a dream? Is it a job and a career? What is it that you need to lay down and trust that Jesus will raise it back up? What is it that is taking that place in your life that should be reserved for him? What is it that right now the Holy Spirit is provoking you? The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and challenging you. And showing you that thing in your life that you know you need to let go of. But you're afraid of what's going to happen if you do. The resurrection teaches us to risk. To risk it all. To trust that if we lay it down to him, that he will raise it back up in a way that we couldn't even imagine. Will you trust him with it? What is it that you need to lay down? Lay it down and he will raise it up. As we go on into the story, 
our friend Maggie read uh, from chapter 24 and verse 8 here. I love this passage where it talks about the women coming to the tomb and finding he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. It's so powerful. But there's this one line that really grabs me here. It says in verse 8, then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. See, Jesus had been telling them all along that this is exactly what was going to happen, that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to willingly lay down his life, that they were going to put him to death. And then after three days, he would be raised back up to life. He had been telling them this. He'd been telling them this. You know what? They believed in him fully on Palm Sunday and they believed in him fully on Easter Sunday when they saw the empty tomb. But somewhere in the middle, the reality of the tragedy of the cross clouded their vision and they were unable to see. Our memory often fails us in the middle. Our memory fails us in the middle. Somewhere between in that, they lost sight. Their vision was clouded because of the tragedy. But then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. They didn't think it was possible because they had just witnessed the worst thing they could imagine. They had just witnessed the worst thing they could imagine, and they just knew, they, they assumed, they believed that that had to be the end. I love this. The, the author Frederick Beekner says this, the resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. The resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. Thing. Some of you feel caught in the middle right now, even as celebration is going on all around you and you, you, you feel it in your heart and you want to be celebrating. But still, you feel caught in the middle. Remember his words and hang on his words and know this. The resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. We trust in that and we believe in that. We believe that when Jesus said it is finished then it was only just the beginning. When Jesus said it is finished, it's only just the beginning. All around us, we see it. This past week, as we watched the news about more terror attacks, and it seems like they just go on and on. It's become so commonplace. Even for us as Christians, a story that you probably didn't hear there's a group of Bible translators called Wycliffe Bible Translators actually founded by a good friend of our uh, by a good friend of ours grandfather Elaine Townsend who's, who's been a part of this church her grandfather founded this organization and its whole goal is to translate scripture into the native languages of people who don't have access to it their middle eastern headquarters this past week was attacked by militants who tried to destroy all of their work and, and, and even further than that took the lives of four translators because of what they're doing for the sake of the gospel. Two of them, their lives were taken immediately. Two others died because they laid on top of the lead translator to protect him so that the work could keep going on. Who does that? Who does that? Only people who have their hope in something deeper. 
Only people who believe at the core of who they are that the worst thing is not the last thing. As Christians, we look at the tragedy of the world and we don't deny it. We don't deny the tragedy of death. We don't try to to pass away the, 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 the pain of loss. We don't try to cover up the sorrow of injustice. We look at it. We square in the eye. We call it what it is. But there's a stubborn hope within us that we can look beyond it and we can see a tomb that is empty today. And we say death does not get the last word. Death does not get the last word. Jesus does. And his word is resurrection and his word is life. When Jesus said it is finished, it was only the beginning. And we believe that the worst thing will not be the last thing. Closing up here. Uh, In Luke chapter 24, verse 12, as Joe read for us, I love the reaction of Peter as well. It says that Peter went to the tomb and he looked in and he saw that the tomb was empty. And I love what it says next. It says, but he walked away wondering to himself what had happened. The shock of this moment, the reality of it hadn't set in yet. He was still confused over what exactly this Meant, and he walked away wondering to himself, what has just happened? I love that. The truth has yet to set in and grab him, but he knows that everything has changed. He knows that this changes everything. For some of you today, you're in that kind of spot. You feel like the truth has grabbed a hold of you. You feel like you're being called right now, even in this moment, for the first time to risk it all on this truth of the resurrection of Jesus. And there's so much confusion about that. You're you're wondering, how can I really believe this? How can I really take that step? You're not by yourself. That was Peter's first reaction as well. This close friend of Jesus, he walks away wondering what has just happened. It's almost too good to believe. The writer J.R.R. Tolkien coined a term that he called eucatastrophe. Right. You recognize the term catastrophe. He took this the Greek prefix, put it on the front. That means good, the good catastrophe. And he said the best kind of stories always have this element of the twist and the turn that you never even expected. It's better than what you could have imagined as you were reading through the story. The thing you need to know about Tolkien is that he was a great storyteller and he understood the power of that. But even deeper, he was a devoted follower of Jesus. And this had grabbed a hold of his heart. And he discovered this truth first through the power of the Gospels. And he said the resurrection is the greatest story of eucatastrophe that there has ever been. He described it this way. He said, it's the sudden joyous turn that wrecks everything. It dismantles the story that you thought you were reading and takes you into a brand new story that you didn't even imagine. It's the catch of the breath. It's the fleeting glimpse of joy from beyond the walls of this world. It's the joy that pierces your heart with the kind of joy that brings tears because it's a sudden glimpse of deeper truth in a false and fallen world. That is is the resurrection. That is the resurrection. 
It is the promise that the worst thing is not the last thing. It is the hope that when Jesus says it is finished, it is only the beginning. It's the risk that we are to lay it down and know that God will raise it back up. And it is the truth that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. And because of that, so are we. For some of you, you need to embrace that for the very first time today. Some of you are being called to lay it down. To, be, to lay it down and be raised up in a new life. Is that you? Is that you? If you're feeling that tug on your heart today, I'm going to ask you to do something pretty courageous, and that is to put your hand up in the middle of this group of people, some of which you probably do not know. If that's you today, and you feel like you want to make that decision, and you want to begin to follow this, this Jesus, this pioneer of the resurrection life, and you want to experience that kind of new life too, then I invite you just to raise your hand right now. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Amen. Awesome. If that's you today and you don't feel like raising your hand, but you want to talk about that, please grab one of the cards, put your name on it, check that box, and let us talk to each other, all right? Let us talk you through this. I love it. Praise the Lord. This is the hope of the resurrection. The worst thing is not the last thing. The promise is that when Jesus said it is finished, it was only beginning. It's worth the risk. Lay it down and he will raise it up. And because Jesus is alive, so are we. We're going to celebrate today around the table of Jesus. On his last night with his disciples, he took the bread that was on the table as a way of showing them what he was about to do. And he broke it. And he said, this bread represents my body that was broken to make you whole. Then he took the cup that was on the table. And he said, this cup represents the wine of the kingdom, the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for the salvation of the world. Take it, drink deep, and know what salvation means. Later, on Resurrection Sunday, in Luke chapter 24, just after the story we were just reading, he meets up with some disciples who are in the same state that Peter was in. They can't get their minds around what has just happened. They're talking amongst themselves, and Jesus walks up into the middle of it. They don't even recognize him. And it says that he begins to walk them through the entire scriptures, pointing to the reality of who he was and what he accomplished in that moment, and pointing them towards the truth of the resurrection. When they got to the home there, Jesus sat down with them to eat. And it says he took the bread on the table and he broke it. And it was in that moment of the broken bread, it said their eyes were opened and they recognized the risen Lord, the resurrected Jesus sitting with them there at the table again. Today, as we break this bread and we share this meal that we've shared together so many times, may it be fresh and may it be new and may it bring life to us as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and the victory of Jesus over death on Resurrection Sunday.
May our hearts break open like the bread. May our hearts overflow like the cup. And may our hearts be full of life like the tomb that tried to hold him back. Amen. We invite you to come. There are going to be two different stations. We'll be here and we'll also be on this side of the room. So feel free to make your way down. And when you come down, you'll break off a piece of the bread. And then you will dip it into the cup. And you will taste and see that the Lord is good. We also have a gluten-free option that will be on this side if you need that as well, okay? Because the table of the kingdom gets set for everybody, all right? Awesome. As you come forward, recognize what this means. It means you're embracing the sacrifice of Jesus. You're embracing what he did for you, and you're accepting that as your salvation. What Jesus has done for you, it was for you. So if you want to embrace that and you want to live into that story that he has written for you, then I invite you to come forward. I'm going to ask Josh and Chris to join me as well. All right.